Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon from Oak Hill Church in Humboldt, Iowa. We pray that it helps you to know Christ, grow in Christ, and sow Christ wherever you are. For more information about who we are and what we're doing, go to oakhillhumboldt.org. Today we are uh, launching into a new series, and if you want to put your eyes right up here, you'll see a gigantic pear is what that is. All right. And uh, kids right now, if you've got a bulletin or your parents or grandparents can get you one on the back side of that is a coloring page. And I want you to color a picture there, uh, color the pear, however you want to color it. And the challenge is once you're done, make it really, really nice. Have your parent, grandparent, whoever's with you, take a picture of that uh, send it on email to Pastor Johnny, and we want to just uh, have our Facebook page just flooded with pictures of you guys and what you've uh, come up with. And so, kids, uh, go ahead and do that right now. Hey, parents and the rest of you, we're so glad you're here to worship with us today. Uh, as we get into this new series called The Fruit of the Spirit in the Life of Jesus, I want you to know that comes right from the Word of God. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so what we're going to do over the next seven weeks is we're going to explore the fruit of the Spirit together. Now, why this series? Why this series? A few different reasons why. Number one, culturally, right now we're living in a culture, I don't have to tell you this, that we get all fired up about being right. We see that on social media, and we get all fired up when we've been wronged. And there's a lot of shaming, there's a lot of slandering, there's a lot of mudslinging going on in our culture today. And here's the sad thing. As Christians, sometimes we're no different. And so Jesus has called us to be different because of the spirit of God living within us. We're to be known by our love. So, so culturally, I want us to kind of swim against the tide of the culture and be known by our love. Now, now personally, why this series? It means a lot to me personally. Because sometimes in ministry and sometimes in life, we think it's all about what we're doing for Jesus, right? If we're doing the right things for Jesus, then that's, that's what God is, is wanting from us. It's not so much about what we're doing for Jesus as who we're becoming in Jesus. Jesus wants us to become more and more like him. So as we begin this series, I'm praying that personally, for my own self, that I would become a more loving person, kind and patient and peaceable, and that this community, this faith community here, we would be known by our love, that we'd become more and more like Christ. And so where does that start? How do we begin? It starts with us being connected to Jesus. Maybe you remember in John chapter 15, Jesus is getting ready to... Um, go to the cross and he tells his disciples, I am the vine and you are the branches. You've got to connect to me if you want to bear fruit. So if we have want our lives to be different, to be full of love and peace and joy, we've got to connect to Jesus by faith in him alone. And then it's a slow process. 
You know, just like fruit takes time to develop, so does Christ-like character. But we have this in us because of his spirit that now dwells inside of us. We have the fruit of the spirit. So maybe sometimes we're prone to think this way. Hey, well, I'm doing really good at love, but patience is one I really need to work on, right? And we kind of pick these apart. And yet oftentimes is the case, you think about it in your own life, do you just have a natural disposition to like be a peaceable person? Do you have like a natural disposition to kind of just be kind to people? But when you look at the, uh, the wide range of all the fruit of the spirit, when you look at your life, honestly, are you really growing and progressing in these fruits? That's what Jesus is looking for. Transformation. So in other words, when you used to be someone who was so selfish and so inward, now you have a heart to love people. Where did that come from? Not from you, but from the spirit of God living within you. And so it's a slow process. And yet God is doing this in us. He's making us more like Jesus. And so today what we're going to do, we're going to look at love. That's the first fruit of the spirit. I think it's the first and foremost fruit. Everything else flows out of love. And so the question I'm asking myself, and I want you to ask this, this question is, what does it look like then to love? What's it look like to love like Jesus? And how is that even possible? Is that even possible? I want to share with you a familiar story today. It's called the parable of the good Samaritan. I think many of you have probably heard this story since you were little children and you don't even have to be a churchgoer to be familiar with that term. But I think this was probably one of the most misunderstood parables that Jesus has taught. And so I'm praying that it would land on fresh ears today. So let's, let's zero in on what Jesus has to tell us in this parable. If you've got a Bible out there, you can turn to Luke chapter 10. If not, hey, you can find it on your phone. Uh, version app is what I use. If you don't have that with you, just listen. All right, Luke chapter 10. I think it's verse 25 where it begins. Now, before we uh, get into the story, I want to tell you the context, because a lot of times this is just skipped over. Like in children's Bibles, you see just the parable of the Good Samaritan, and, and that's it. But we've got to know the context. We've got to know where and when and why was this uh, story given. And so Jesus is there. He's been teaching, and this, this man stands up, and he's this self-righteous uh, religious rule keeper, all right, he stands up and he asks a question. He says, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And the, the Bible says he doesn't ask this sincerely. He's asking this question to test Jesus. So here he is kind of like with his nose in the air a little bit like, I'm a really good person, Jesus. I want to test you. What are the uh, righteous requirements needed for me to go to heaven? Because I think I'm in. Well, Jesus, he does this all the time. He doesn't answer his question. He gives another question to the man in return. He says to the man, well, how, how do you read the law? You know, if, if you've read the law, how do you read it? And the man comes back and he says, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So he basically summed up the entire law of God, the entire Old Testament. And he's correct. Jesus says, you're right. 
And he says, uh, do this and you'll live. Now the man seeking to justify himself, he's squirming a little bit now. It's like, well, the law doesn't really spell out then who's my neighbor. So if you're saying it's, it's love God, love your neighbor as yourself, what does it really mean then to love my neighbor? Like who is my neighbor? Because granted, I, I'm a pretty loving guy. And Jesus, instead of answering his question, gives him a story instead. And so let me read this story. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 37. Listen, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. By the way, this was a real road, but Jesus is telling a story here. The road was very dangerous, a 17 mile descent known for a lot of robbery, a lot of thievery. So this man was heading down. Most likely this was a Jewish man and the robbers stripped him and beat him and left him half dead. Verse 31. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. So you got two religious guys, two religious leaders who see the man in need and just pass on by on the other side. But it says in verse 33, a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Many of you know this, that the Samaritans and the Jews were enemies of one another. So for, for a Samaritan to stop, let alone stop, and then have compassion on this Jew, unheard of. Verse 34, he went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Jesus asked this question to this lawyer, this rule keeping religious man. So which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Now I think the main question that Jesus is asking us and asking this man is, do you see yourself in the story? Do you see yourself in the story? Which, which character do you identify with most? I think many of us, our first reaction is to say, well, I'm the good Samaritan. You know, because I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a nice guy. And we look at this story and we think, well, this, this is kind of a little motivation, a little inspiration. You know, I know that I can love my neighbor a little bit better. But genuinely, like people look at me and say, wow, she's got such a big heart. You know, he's so kind to others. So what I need from you, pastor, is just to basically close in prayer, sing another song, and we'll go home because I already am doing this. I don't need any more help. Just a little, little ounce of inspiration. I'm good to go. Because as we look at this story, 
I want to tell you, you aren't the good Samaritan in the story. I am not the good Samaritan in the story. This lawyer, this self-righteous rule-keeping man should not identify with the good Samaritan in the story. And he wouldn't have. Here's why. He would have not identified with anybody who was a Samaritan. And Jesus did that on purpose. He could have had the priest go by, the Levite go by, and here's a good loving Jew is going to help his fellow Jew out. And I want to be just like that Jew and be a good loving guy. But instead he chooses a Samaritan for a reason. You know, I don't know about you guys, guys, but I have a hard enough time and my family's right there. They know this. I have a hard enough time loving my family. Well, let alone loving someone of a different culture, a different race, a different political persuasion. We have a hard time loving other people as we love ourselves. And this, this Samaritan, he loved with no limits. Nobody loves like this all the time. And so I wonder even why we've made this story and added this word good onto Samaritan because that's never mentioned here in the story. I think it's because we want to be like him. The Iowa gospel is I'm a good person. I go to church. I believe that there's a God. So therefore I go to heaven. This man may have thought to himself, I'm obeying all the commands. I love God. Of course I love my fellow Jew. And so of course I've done enough to get to heaven. And Jesus wanted to give him the weight of these commands. You cannot do this. You cannot follow God's commands in order to be right with God and go to heaven. It doesn't happen that way. None of us can be righteous on our own. So we are not the good Samaritan, at least without Jesus and his help. Secondly, what about the priest and the Levite? You know, I have to be honest with you. I think I identify a lot with these guys and it's not because I'm a priest. I'm a, I'm a pastor and first and foremost, I'm a, I'm a person, but these two guys, they were religious leaders and they served in God's temple. The, the priest was the one who would oversee all of the temple arrangements and the worship of God's people. And then the Levite was kind of like his assistant. And so here you have this priest coming by and you would think he would be the one who would stoop down and love this man in need, but he simply passes right on by. Now, some have argued this point. Well, hey, wait, you got to give him some slack here because, you know, they were religious people and ceremonial laws back then stated that you had to keep your distance away from a corpse. I think it was six feet, actually. Ancient social distancing. But the law also stated you were to love the stranger in need. So this priest passed right on by. Didn't want to get involved. Perhaps thought it's just too inconvenient. I've got more spiritual things to do. The Levite following the priest's example may have even seen the priest in the distance and thought, well, if the priest didn't stop, I'm not going to stop either. And just passed right on by. I wonder if you see yourself in that character in those two. I know I do. To be honest, there's times where I emotionally just don't want to engage in the lives of people, knowing that there are so many burdens to bear. Well, I'm just, 
I'm just going to stay in my own comfortable life. Sometimes we use the excuse we're too busy. That's been hard to use that one over the course of the pandemic. Or maybe if we go a little deeper, if you're honest, maybe the reason why we pass by people in need, I'm not just talking about people on the side of the road bleeding. I'm talking about people who have a lot of needs emotionally, spiritually, financially. We just pass them by because perhaps we look at them and think, well, maybe they're getting what they deserve. You made your bed, now sleep in it. Being in a small town community, sometimes we can lack compassion for those who are different than us, and we can label people and think, well, they're not worthy of any love. They'll just abuse that and keep doing what they're doing. And there's wisdom involved with that. But Jesus is saying, this is a kind of love that is so radical that you love someone who's even an enemy of yours without limit. How do we love like that? Well, it leaves us with the broken man bleeding on the side of the road. Do you identify with that character in the story? I think that's what Jesus wants to tell this man. That you don't have to worry first about being a neighbor because someone's been a neighbor to you and you've needed to experience a radical love that is much deeper than following the law. You see, this man who was broken, bleeding on the side of the road, he was left to die naked. Some of us have never really tasted our depravity. We keep living on as though we are good people and God must need us on his team. The broken man bleeding on the side of the road is a picture of us in our sin. It's a picture of us in our helplessness, in our brokenness, in our spiritual poverty. And we can't pick ourselves up spiritually and rescue ourselves and save ourselves. We can't do it. We're lying on the side of the road, bleeding in need of help. And guess who comes along? Jesus, the ultimate Samaritan. There is no one who has loved you like Jesus. You got to know that in this room, in this, <laughs> this park. You got to know that Jesus has seen you at your very worst. He's seen you in your brokenness, in your rebellion. In your addiction, he's seen you as a self-righteous person who doesn't even think he needs Jesus in his life. I'm okay. I'll make it. And he comes right into your life and is willing to pick you up and to pour out his love without any limit. And you look at the way the Samaritan loved. He bound up his wounds poured on oil and wine, set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took out two denarii, his own money, gave it to the innkeeper, take care of him, whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. 
That's an extensive love. And it's a love for us while we were still sinners. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how he showed his love to us by dying on the cross for our sins. Greater love has no one than this than he laid down his life for his friends. And so as we come to the end of this story, I want to just ask the question then, well, how do we love like Jesus? How do we become like the good Samaritan in this story? How do we, how do we transform into a person who's willing to love without limit? I think it starts with this. You and I, we've got to admit, we're not the good Samaritan in the story. You are not good. Neither am I. On our own, we are people who shut God out of our lives and want to live independently of him. So it begins by acknowledging, hey, I can't get to you by following all your commands. I just can't do it. The, the proper response when, when Jesus said at the end of the parable, hey, you go and do likewise. Notice there's a big gap there of space. Like what was the man thinking? It, it doesn't say, all right, here I go. It doesn't say in there, well, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Just silence. I wonder what he was thinking. What Jesus wanted him to think was this. You can't do it. Go do it. His proper response should have been, but Jesus, I can't. I'm a sinner. I can't love like that. Would you forgive me? God in a pair of sandals was standing right in front of him. He had a prime time opportunity to say, please forgive me of my sin, Jesus. I want to follow you because I can't reproduce that kind of love on my own. Tells us sometimes that evangelism isn't always telling the entire story. Jesus was, was wanting to penetrate his heart, his self-righteous heart with you go and do likewise to say, you cannot obey the law of God like this. You need me. That's where it begins. Secondly, we've got to pray for revival in our hearts. You know, I thought it was interesting how it rained this morning because for the last few weeks, we've been praying for rain. So thanks a lot for praying for rain. Now. We've been wanting rain, right? And now they're finally here. And it came a couple times this week. And I don't know about you, but I haven't mowed my lawn for a long time. And so that's been nice. But you look at the lawn and it's all kind of brown and crusty. And, and you think, that's how my heart sometimes is. How about you? Like when you read the Bible, are you always in that place of, well, I'm ready to go out and do what you've said here in the Bible, God, and I want to I have that motivation to do it? Or is it sometimes, if you're honest, it's kind of dry, kind of brown and crusty, and what you need is the love of Jesus to rain down upon your brown heart and make it green again. He can do that. You know, I think if you really are a Christian this morning, you hear a story like this and you're motivated again to love like Jesus. That's in you by his spirit. He's doing that. It's like there's a button that's pushed and boom, I want to because the word of God says, and God give me that kind of heart again to love. This word compassion that this man had in the Greek language means to be moved in your gut with pity towards someone else. How long has it been since you've been moved with compassion for someone in need? 
Know that if that happens, that is from Jesus living in you. Third, how do we love like Jesus? We admit that we are not the good Samaritan. We pray for revival in our heart. And thirdly, we fight for courage to love like this. We fight for courage to love like this. There's a battle that goes on in our minds and our hearts every day. We wake up in the morning. Typically we're thinking about ourselves, right? And how I can bring happiness to me. There's a reason why Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, because we're really good at loving ourselves. I am really good at loving myself. We've got to fight to love people as Christ has loved us and have the courage to enter in to conversations the courage to enter into people's lives, to see them with eyes of compassion. A lot of times love begins by looking. Like if, if, if this is all we're look, <laughs> looking at, it's going to be really hard to see people, right, who are in need. I'm not saying that we can't use this for the glory of God, but so often is the case, and our, our iPhone will do this for us. How many hours are you on here? A day. Do you think you could maybe take one of those hours and spend some time reading God's word and then seeing who may be in your sphere of influence to love? Imagine what would happen, the ripple effect. And I think we've got a few hours left over, by the way, if we took just one away from what we are doing here. We've got to fight for, for margin. We've got to fight for then courage a lot of times we're fighting the wrong battle, you guys. We're fighting a lot of battles on social media when our time ought to be spent loving people in practical ways and in ways that they need help. And I'm convicted of this myself. I'm asking that God would give us hearts to love. Love takes courage. And would we love like the Good Samaritan because of Jesus living within us? You know, this isn't always a big act of courage or a big act of love like we see in the story. Like, this seems pretty uh, radical. You know, somebody's lying on the side of the road who needs help. But a lot of times it's just a small act or a small gesture of kindness and love that can change us. How you treat others can change the very trajectory of someone's life. Do you know that? How you treat someone with love and kindness could in fact change the trajectory of their entire life. Or at least change their day and their week. I thought about how I wanted to end and I wanted to end, to be honest with you, this is a window into my heart. I wanted to end with this compelling, courageous story that, that I was just such a good Samaritan and you would follow my example. And the Spirit of God led me to a very different kind of story, which I wasn't as excited about at first. But let me share with you this story. It's a little bit more at the, the gut level. Uh, so to be a little vulnerable with you guys, um, over the course of the beginning weeks and months of this pandemic, there were a lot of challenges, um, church challenges, decisions. So thankful for the team of, of folks that I get to work alongside. 
but a lot of challenges in that respect, a lot of challenges personally. And uh, I, was, I was moving toward our first day back to worship together in our building. And I remember just a series of boom, 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 things kind of just were on my heart. One that landed most pointedly was this good friend of mine that some of you know I had shared that uh, took his life, who was known for loving people this way. And so I'm, I'm trying to get through that first sermon back, to be honest with you. And I go home afterwards, and sometimes in the heart of a pastor, thinking, that was a train wreck. <laughs> Man, where was that going? And then I get a text. And uh, I wasn't expecting this. So I'm going to read it to you. I won't give away any names. Dear brother, just wanted to let you know that my heart ached this morning when you started telling us about the struggles and the loss of your friend. It took everything I had to hold back my tears. I felt like God was putting some of your pain on my heart at that moment. I wanted to come up and give you a hug. It hit me so hard. In my life right now, things have not changed very much with this virus. I still go to work. Yes, kids have been home, but it seems like everyday stuff has been the same for me. And to hear of the struggles and the stress in your life just broke my heart. Just wanted you to know my wife and I are going to be prayer warriors for you and your family. If there's a specific thing that you want us to pray for you about, please let me know. We have so much love for your family. So there I was. I felt like I was this guy on the side of the road, emotionally anyway. And someone loved me, was a good Samaritan to me, and picked me up, felt the pain in his own gut, this compassion, and was moved to just share. This guy later said, you know, I would have done it in person, but I thought I would just start crying. And that, that just, that, that hit me and, and so blessed me. So as I close, guys, here's what I want to say to you. When we are loved by Jesus, we can then go in love like Jesus. You see, I got a taste of Jesus' love through this friend of mine on that day. And guys, it so hit me that I want to go and love others like I had been loved. When the love of Jesus enters into your heart and breaks you of your sin and self-righteousness and gives you this, this compassion, you're motivated then to go and love others like he has loved you. When you are loved by Jesus, you can go and love like Jesus. I pray that we would do that today, tomorrow, and forever until Christ comes back. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that in Jesus, we are greatly loved. You know every person seated here 
You know their struggles. You know their sins. You know our story. And I would think that there are some of us here who feel a little bit like that man on the road, just broken, bleeding, helpless. And here you're coming along even right now, right next to them and saying, I'm here to help you. I love you. I have compassion upon you. I see you in your need. And I have already died on the cross for you, risen again from the grave. You just need to come to me as you are. I've done it all. And I'll embrace you. I'll forgive you. And I'll give you a new heart that can love others like you've been loved. So Lord, bless us as we sing now. Help us to be reminded again of your great love through your son, Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.